Hey, AGs, are you ready to add a touch of luxury to your home, just like the Real Housewives? BCC Villa Rosa. Introducing Home Threads, where style meets comfort for the ultimate glam experience. Picture this. Chic furniture, one could even say chic c'est la vie, that mirrors the elegance of your favorite housewives' mansions. With exclusive designer collections and a curated selection, HomeThreads.com has everything you need to make your space as fabulous as the housewives themselves and always at the best value. Unlike Joe Gorka's initial attempts at windows, perhaps. Now, I have to tell you, I know that Padma is no longer on Top Chef, and may her memory be a blessing, but nothing has made me feel better prepared to host future seasons and potentially even iterations of Top Chef Upper East Side Edition than the Henkel's clad 10-piece stainless steel cookware set in silver that I got along with a two-piece stainless steel ceramic nonstick fry set from Zwilling thanks to Home Threads. It makes me feel like I am finally ready to be a top chef one egg over easy at a time. They're gorgeous. They look great in the apartment. For someone like me who lives in New York City which with a very small space, what I have in my kitchen is important because guests who come to visit me see it. And I'm so, so thankful to have discovered Home Threads because now I feel fully prepared to make eggs a la Francais. Head over to HomeThreads.com today and live your best Real Housewives life. Go to HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls and get a code for 15% off your first order. Again, that's HomeThreads.com slash AndyScrolls for a 15% off code off your first order. HomeThreads, love where you live. I am feeling Giovanni and also AG Live. That's right. The very first Andy's Girls live show recording extravaganza will be Sunday, October 17th at Club Coming here in New York City. Tickets to the show are available now at andysgirls.eventbrite.com. Dot com $20 in advance, $25 at the door. There's a link in show notes for this episode as well. I'll be joined by OG of the AG, Damien Bellino, and we have so many surprises in store. Hope to see you at Club Coming for Andy's Girls Live Sunday, October 17th. Doors open at 6.30. Show at 7 o'clock. C'est bon, c'est bon. Look forward to seeing you there. say kill them with kindness and if that doesn't work make them watch new york even if i don't write the book i am always the main character oh yes you guys i love reading so much reading and in life i have been told that books still exist and I love that journey for them. They I do. like truly I love it. And listen, you guys, this episode, new chapter. It's episode 257, which makes me feel moderately ill <laughs> saying that out loud. And I just have to tell you, I'm so excited about a new guest on the People's People's Couch. You know her as author, podcast host, and DEI consultant. Welcome to Andy's Girls, Danielle Prescott. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. I'm so honored to be an Andy's girl. 
I mean, I'm so honored <laughs> that you are now officially an Andy's girl. We are Andy's girls. We are Andy's women. We are like a part of this vibe and I'm here for it. How are you doing? I'm doing really good. Where are you recording from? Where are you based? I live in New Orleans and <gasps> it is 85 degrees here right now. Oh, it's October, so God. it's super weird for me. I moved here from New York. Um, yeah, I'm in my office slash second bedroom in New Orleans. I mean, listen, I have to tell you. You're doing what I'm doing, which is I'm working on my clothes. So what I what you can see right now is my boudoir, but my second bedroom. I'm doing like this whole psycho clothes reno to uh, uh, inevitably, eventually record in there and do some other stuff. And it's like there's nothing better, nothing better. It was really important to me after like the pandemic to have a place where I can separate work from where I lived because. <laughs> When I lived in Manhattan, I lived in a studio apartment and it was like everything. I could see all of my belongings at once and I worked from there and I rested there and I relaxed there and I ate there and I worked out there. It was just like too, too much. So I was like, I really need to be able to separate different parts mm -hmm. of my life because, you know, you're not supposed to be working from bed. That's why like I have a lot of trouble sleeping because I'm always like turned on. My brain is turned mm -hmm. on when I'm in my bed. Yeah, it's nice to have or create some sort of disconnect. Um, and when did you move from New York? I moved in January of 2021. Wow. What can I ask what inspired? That's a pretty big change to go from, you know, studio apartment in Manhattan to New Orleans. Yes, I know. Right. You know, I really was like, I can't do another winter in lockdown. It's too depressing. Mm. And I really was like, I want to go somewhere where it's warm and where I can have space. And I live in a two-bedroom, two-bathroom apartment, French Ooh. Quarter, and I still pay less money than I live than I paid to live in a studio in Manhattan. So uh. it's kind of like a no-brainer when I was like, I want to save money. And I, yeah. you know, I would have logically gone to LA. That's where I have a lot of friends, a lot of my connections. Mm -hmm. But, um, you know, I, I just, I just didn't think it was like a healthy move to go to LA. So I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to do New Orleans. And mm -hmm. I always vibed with it. And yeah, now I live here. I mean, good for you. And are you happy with that decision? Are you like I am into it? Do you miss New York at all? Or are you just like this is a this is a new chapter in my book? I I don't miss New York, the place, but I do miss like my friends. You know, yeah. like I, I haven't like really tapped into like my people yet mm -hmm. here in New Orleans. Um, you know, I don't I don't know too much. I like moved here like not really knowing anything. So I'm still getting to know a lot of the city and yeah, that's an adjustment, but I am very happy with the decision. That's great. I mean, and listen, you can most importantly watch Housewives and talk about Bravo wherever you live, which is that's the exactly. that's the connecting line to all of us. I do want to get your thoughts on and your experiences on your Bravo journey. Do you remember the first franchise that you started watching? Do you watch all of the franchises? Is there one that you love more than another? 
Uh, sure. I'm very discerning about my Housewife franchises now, Ooh. but I was an early watcher. I think I started watching in high school, Orange County, first season. Oh, I love that. You know, it was like, love. it was like, you know, the, it was probably 2005, uh, like the tail end of like Laguna Beach happening. Like everything mm. was Orange County, Orange County, Orange County. So yeah, I, that was my first introduction. Um, I no longer watch Orange County anymore Mm. um right now i watch potomac salt lake city beverly hills new jersey and atlanta all the good ones did you say new york you're not watching new york i quit new york ages ago did you yeah were you still were you a part of bethany's return or did you stop prior to that i stopped prior to that Really? Yeah. What was it that you were just kind of turned off by or disinterested from? I just got over it. Like, I was like, this is not funny anymore. Um, mm-hmm. It was just not interesting to me. So, yeah, I just was like, I, I, I quit. And I did not miss it. Incredible. And have you ever found, like, the itch to rewatch some of the lost episodes? Or were you kind of like, you know, I'm just here now and we'll move forward. And if there's anything I needed to know, they'll they'll do a flashback. You know, if you are like up on celebrity culture and you have social media, like I spend a lot of time on mm-hmm. social media for work. It's like I've figured out everything that went down, even if I didn't have to like watch it. Wow. Long. And which is your go to? Which what's your spiritual franchise? That's a good question. Um. Oh, my gosh. I find Atlanta to be so hilarious. I do miss Nene on Atlanta, but like mm. it's. Truly. Um, I also really love New Jersey, which is so random. I love that. No, New Jersey is so good. But I love New Jersey. I mean, this season of New Jersey, I think, is going to be actually insane. Like, literally insane. And I think, it's my personal opinion, that I think the bond of the husbands on on Jersey Housewives has created a blueprint for all the other franchises. Because, like, mm-hmm. look at how, like, because... They were bonding. And I I actually sometimes would rather watch the husbands. They are so funny, especially on Jersey. But then, like, I think it's bled out into the other franchises. All the guys, they all want to get together. They want to film. They want to have their time, too. And it's always, like, a really genuine connection. And I think that, you know, it's definitely not the drama that the women bring, but it's always entertaining. Mm-hmm. And yet there are elements of drama, maybe not with the husbands on BH, but, and I mean, like, what could, you know, be a greater moment than your husband's in the pool in New Jersey? But certainly on this week of Salt Lake City, we saw the husbands kikiing. Um, but really in Potomac, there are these moments of, like, true conflict with Chris Bassett and Michael Darby, for example, where it's like, is this a separate thing or bleeding into what's actually now happening with Ashley and Candace? Or I think it's how does so bizarre. Yeah, I really think it's so bizarre because I think that Chris is such a nice guy. And I really think that that came through in this last episode where I, I still do not understand his and Candace's dynamic. Cause I'm just like, I don't know how he stands in a relationship like that. Like it's so, she's so volatile. Mm. Just it's, it's too much. 
And he is so like, he, I'm like, he's almost coaching her like she's his child. It's bizarre. Um, but his deal with Michael Darby is also so weird to me because Michael Darby like hates him. And I don't know if it's, <laughs> and I don't think Chris really cares that much. Like, you know what I mean? Like Michael Darby's so angry at him. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't think. Chris really cares. And I thought he said such a nice thing to Ashley. He was like, you know, I know that like our spouses don't really get along and I know you don't get along with Candace, but I I mean, I'm, I'm want to just say congratulations to you. Like motherhood. I thought it was a really nice thing that he did. And he always just seems like a really good guy. I think, you know, Michael Darby is a sleazeball, but I, I really don't get his gripe with Chris. And I'm just like, maybe it's because he wants to be the only white man. Like, I really don't get, I don't know. Oh, there's something happening. Um, (laughs) But speaking of all things Candace and Chris, Mm -hmm. I mean, this episode was like a shit show. Was it not? It was, it wasn't, I mean, there are elements, as you said, of like this very odd parental dynamic in their marriage and relationship roles where his job is to keep her calm. And who wants to sign up for that unless you actually have some sort of inner, which we're all inherently broken, but some sort of inner brokenness that's fulfilled by taking on that role. It's so weird to me because I'm like, I don't like, no one should have to talk you down like that. Like it's just, bizarre. It should have never escalated to that point. And I think that Chris was a hundred percent right in everything he said to Candace. And I actually like, can't believe like how well he handled it, how calm he was because she was just so reticent in being like, no, I'm right. I'm going to say what I want to say. I need to shut Mia up, et cetera, et cetera. And he's like, just walk away. Like, what is the big deal? Like, what are you really standing up for? And yet has she ever, why is he tell? it's like, Oh, you know what? It'd be great if I had a million dollars in three seconds. You know, so let me just say that out loud. Am I going to speak into existence something that there is no record based on my shopping habits or anything else that suggests that a million dollars is going to be headed my way in like the next five to ten? Like he's asking for something from someone, but surely he knows the answer in advance. Does he not? Yes, he must. Right. But I think he's hoping that like it might get through to her because I, I don't think that anyone want and I think that she has a lot to prove because she looked so bad last season too you know yeah. like you cannot keep getting into these types of altercations but Ashley Darby was right the common denominator here is Candace like we no one else is getting like this but Candace Yeah, and she does this thing or was doing this thing on this episode. And I was like, mental note, ask Danielle for her thoughts on this, Mm -hmm. which is her continually saying on the episode and on the after show, which I just really quickly watched, she continually says that Mia asked for it. And yet, wasn't that the argument that she abhorred when it was said last season by Team Monique? This person deserved it. They were asking for it. They were coming at me. So I had every right to do what I needed to do, regardless of how low you thought it was. Isn't that Mm -hmm. exactly what she was so upset hearing from people, including Monique? Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I don't think that like anyone should 
have their hair grabbed. I don't think anyone should be mm-hmm. throwing salad at anybody. I think that is an escalation that's absurd because like it's it's such a low stakes argument. Like really, she thinks your video is low budget. You want to say something about her mom? Ultimately, who cares? Like I just don't understand like why it is you know, become a life or death argument. Like, I feel like you only need to fight when you are like threatened and no one is being threatened here. So it's so silly. And also speaking of moms, isn't Candace keeps intimating and or explicitly saying you brought up my mom. So I have every right to trash yours. And yet her mom knew that she was being recorded and seems to delight in saying things about Chris that she knows Candace is going to be bothered by. So Mia introducing that and asking questions about Chris being paid, like, yeah, you could say to somebody, you know, I really don't appreciate that. I have a difficult relationship with my mom. But ultimately what Dorothy wants to say, she's going to say, and she obviously is very engaged in saying it while being miked. And Candace seems to be using that as a reason to constantly attempt to trigger Mia by saying disparaging things about her mom. What Mia did was involve her mom. So what Candace is doing is punishing Mia's mom by saying all these terrible things about her. It doesn't feel even. And I think it's bizarre, too, because Candace's defense is like, well, she is not, you know, taking into account that she hurt my feelings as well. Mm. So I don't I don't care about the past. But I also think that it's pretty weird for Karen and Giselle and Ashley and everybody to be like, hey, her mom is a sensitive topic for X, Y, Z reasons. Like, maybe don't bring that up. And she is still thinking that it's an okay thing to say. Like, they, like, it's now been reported to her, like, hey, here's the past, and the mom's past has been revealed, so maybe, like, that is not an appropriate insult or rebuttal to give to Mia. Um, and she's even said in her confessional, she was like, well, if I had known that, I would have said something about her big feet or her big hands. And it's like, but then you did find out, and you didn't drop it. <laughs> yeah, and she's also like, had I known, yeah exactly she's like had I known I would have just focused on body shaming her <laughs> and I just want to be like babe like that's also not okay like why do you do these things like why can't you play fair it's not you're doing these things that so are so deeply awful yeah and they're not it's not an even equation people are like well you know other housewives say terrible things Giselle has done a lot of terrible shit Ashley's done a lot of terrible shit but it's not the same argument and the way that someone said something five years ago does not it we have all changed and there's an understanding as a society and a Bravo community about stuff being going too far especially in a franchise that has seen an incident of physical violence one of many franchises BCC you know New Jersey and several others but we know now that there are certain things not to say. And Candace said in an interview or something recently, she was like, maybe it might have been an after show. She's like, well, I know not to like speak ill of somebody's work. Like, that's just a line that we don't cross in this cast. Like, we don't speak badly about somebody's business. And I'm just thinking, and yet a woman's body 
A wo- and her mother, who regardless of her mother's story and experience with addiction, you are directly challenging this person's parent because you're pissed and that's not too far like explain that to me danielle explain that to me and that's also not true because they talk about each other's businesses all the time everyone hated on the dom la dom what we're acting like everyone was just a la dom customer okay uh embellished no okay like everyone's talking about all this Wendy's business, I have to put air quotes around it because who even knows what that is? Everyone's talking about everyone's business all the time. That's just not true. Yeah, maybe she's just referencing her own standards, which I think she herself created in the moment. But it is a fascinating journey. I mean, speaking of Candace, so where did you find yourself during the Candace v. Monique uh, divide last season? And has your perspective of her changed watching her behavior now? I mean, unpopularly, I was team Monique. I don't think that Monique had to go. Like, I I don't think she had to leave. Uh, I don't, I mean, it was very intense, their altercation. I don't think it should have been physical. I don't think that that is ever um, appropriate. But at the very same time, the way that Candace talks to people is so wildly disrespectful and with the intention of getting them to that point. Like she wants Mm -hmm. someone to get so angry and I really don't get it. Like Mia said to her this episode, you need therapy. And I agree. Like she has too much hurt and she's always defensive. And I just find it so bizarre. So Candace is not a favorite of mine and I want to like Candace, but she keeps doing stuff that make me not like her. I mean, I always feel like there's a place for empathy. And certainly if your mom, you know, certainly if your mom had used mental health treatment as a way to punish you for what, however she was behaving as a child by diagnosing her with various disorders as a result, that will leave someone in a place where she probably is less interested, understandably so, to speak to a therapist and work through these things, because I would think she would be doing so through the lens of like her mom, Mm -hmm. who said and did very harmful things that I'm sure have left wounds, Mm -hmm. living wounds that we still see. And yet, I mean, you're finding out that Mia was hysterically sobbing. And there's a look in her eye when she finds out that information of like, oh, she cried where she doesn't seem displeased about it. And I don't know what treatment, how therapy could help you find empathy for someone else's pain, especially when you inflicted it. I don't know how therapy can help someone who seems to relish in inflicting and understanding that she was successful in making someone feel truly bad like how is therapy I am a huge proponent of therapy but it's like how is that going to help her like how what can help her yeah I think that at a certain point because we're all adults when you get to adulthood Mm -hmm. you have to take responsibility for your own healing regardless of like whether it was your fault what happened to you or Mm -hmm. not but like you have to take responsibility for that and like whatever avenues that is Like, it could be therapy. I don't know. She could go to church. 
I mean, she could find a pastor. There's a million other ways that she could Mm -hmm. start to handle the situation. But what I don't like about her is that there's like such a categorical refusal to even acknowledge that she has any responsibility or any accountability for any of her actions ever. Like her excuse is always like, well, Ashley, well, this person, well, that person. And I'm like, no, it's always you. Like you have to recognize what your role is. And I really like what Chris said. He was like, when you respond like that and you're claiming you're not being insecure, it is like a red flag of insecurity. Like you responding to the response. Like you don't always need to have the last word, but there's like, like, you know, she gets to be like a dog with a bone. Like she wants to have the last Mm. word. I don't know. It might be a Napoleon complex because she's so small. She has to make herself feel bigger (laughs) by doing that. I mean, the Napoleon complex is a real thing. I have encountered more on, like, the side of, like, men in dating dynamics. Like, you know, a little Polly Pocket goes a long Mm -hmm. way. And there is something to be said for a certain kind of guy who is self. And that might be a real genuine response because of the ways that people are judged by their physical presence Mm -hmm. and the fact that that could be coming from a gen I'm sure that there is science backing it and it's like you feel like you're starting from a place of maybe being behind and so you're pushing forward as much as you can like I don't if she is behaving because of that because of her size I don't like begrudge her for it except to say that I don't know you seem to have quite a vibe going for you to be Petite and stature, you are certainly making enormous waves to the extent that even just like I'm watching these women react to it. Giselle reacts to it. Robin reacts to it. Wendy seems to give her a ton of fucking grace, which is fascinating. Um, uh, Karen, uh, Ashley, all of these women are telling her and telling us on after shows and interviews what she is doing. She's going too far when the people who you have depended on to be on your side are telling you it's way past enough. At what point are you going to listen? She's never going to, I mean, so far, I mean, it was, it been six years. Like, <laughs> well, she hasn't been on the show for six years, but she's been here for a while. It feels like, and it. <laughs> she's just not going to listen. Like, she, I mean, I, I hope that she's able to, I hope that, you know, she does mm-hmm. have a breakthrough because I think that healing can happen at any time for anybody, but She's just like, she's so against it. And you can't help anyone who doesn't want to be helped. So, yeah, I wonder what do you think it could take? Is there anything that it could? She is, she is a, I think that there are ways that she is emotionally intelligent, which almost makes it worse. Like, I feel like she does know what she's doing. Is there potential for her to kind of, in Giselle's, you know, categorization of she's like, she's actually gotten a lot better. So there are ways that she might have been more explosive in seasons past that she's not doing now. She's sort of focusing. Yeah, I think that's, yeah, with maturity. Yeah, I think it's, it's definitely, and I don't know how they edited, you know, the scene together with her and Chris, like how long they were out Mm. there talking, but like he was able to talk her down pretty quickly. Um, But I don't know. She never has any like, real consequences Mm -hmm. like there's nothing that has happened to her that would ever make her be like oh maybe I do need to change my behavior 
And I think that's what happens with like kind of all housewives. Like when you get fans and you get people like egging you on, you start to believe that like you're right, even if you're dead wrong. People are always going to find a way to like make it known that they support you. A hundred percent. And I'm sure it's not helped by what I'm, I'm absolutely certain are probably vile attacks that she's received. Any, any housewife who comes across as in any way, um, specific, shall we say, where it's not kind of like middle of the line where they're making decisions and some people might like them and others not. I'm sure she's dealing with a lot of hate. It's just that. Mm -hmm. My guess is as a defense mechanism, she might be behaving similarly online that she is on the show where she's saying, well, I, you know, get enough of this one bad thing that the only choice I have is to react in the ways that um, react in the ways that I'm doing because I'm being backed into a corner where all I'm getting is negativity and this is what happens as a result. Like, I, I assume that's a part of it, but I really don't know. And, like, is Mia flighty with stuff? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think she doesn't. Mia doesn't quite know how she fits in this cast. And the cast might, the show itself may agree in the sense that she's trying a lot of different stuff. And it does feel very extra. And I think that comes from a place of similar to her talking about her business and her salary from a place of like trying to prove her worth that like this is my value as a person, as a business person. And I'm going to show that to you instead of doing it through an organic fit. But that's just her personality. Like, you know, it's not it's not that Candace is the only person who's like technically opinion based quote-unquote fucking up it's just I don't know she just does it in a different way it's just it's it as you said it's like it's Mia so why is this person getting to you I don't think it's just because of the mom is it because she gave Mia a chance and she feels hurt that that person is turning on her is it a combination of stuff I think it's even weird to have had the women in the shoot at all like like, that was also just weird. Why do these people need to be in the music video? Like, it's just so strange. I mean, Lou did it 10-ish years ago in Atlantic City, and that was a whole Mishigas with, I think, like, Ramona. No, or Kel, some Ramona probably not wanting to go or whatever it was. It has been – it's a way of getting – making sure that the shoot is going to be a part of the show, you know? True. And also, I'm sure it's a way of getting people to watch the video when it comes out. It's just one of those things where it's like if Candace is considering this season a part of her promotional activity for her album, I think it worked at the beginning, but I truly don't see it working now. Yeah. Like this is what this is what we're going to listen to the album, which I've heard drive back nine million times. I think it's super fun, but. I don't know why I would want to support someone like this. Yeah. I agree. I don't. And it's tough because she brings so much value to the show. She just makes it so difficult to think about through the lens of like empathy because one can certainly empathize with Candace, but she needs to take, as you said, like responsibility and ownership for her behavior. And if she's not taking part in that accountability, but she is, her expectation is that she always receives 
not only empathy but sympathy or understanding and she's not willing to do that for a new parent whose body she shamed and was like breastfeed shaming her and saying these very racially insensitive comments I don't know babe like I don't know I think that maybe her redemption arc will come when she has a baby but even yeah, but even still like Kenya Moore she uh, Kenya was good for I want to say the maybe the first four months of Brooklyn's life and then she went right back <laughs> She went right back to being Kenya. Like she was, she was nice for like the first four months, and then after that, it was you know she tried to be like okay with Portia. It was very, it was at least an attempt. But then she was like, no, I'm gonna go. Like I get, I'm gonna get myself back. You know, so we might get a little niceness out of Candace, like when she decides to finally have a baby. Oh my god, it's it's actually kind of terrifying to me because she seems so well suited to carry on some of her mother's traits with co-stars and I just am so I just don't know how you break out of that cycle without breaking out. Like this is where this is where therapy comes into play because like you truly need to work on that. This is you cannot break cycles alone. It is very difficult to do especially when it comes to toxic relationships parental roles romantic relationships marriage it's it's very tough to try to do that yourself while repeating decades of learned behavior and I don't know how she gets out of the continuation of that family tradition alone like I don't I don't know. Yeah. That's that's tough. I mean, no matter how old you are, you are always your, you know, mother's daughter. And that's a difficult it's you know, it doesn't matter if you're 30 or 15 or 45. Some of those roles, however toxic they may be, stay in place because it it's almost a little bit of a comfort. And I just don't know how she breaks out of what people around her see as incredibly unhealthy behavior or why anyone would expect she would behave differently if it's like in her muscle Mm -hmm. memory at this point. I know. I know. And we have to watch it. I'm like, oh, when is this going to end? Do you think she and Chris are like in it to win? This is the Candace hour and I'm a thousand percent here for it. Do you think she and Chris are like, in it to win it like do you think that they have a you know that there's the ability here to have some sort of obviously they have a foundation but do you think that it will withhold the weight of some of this I was honestly surprised to see like how well I think their partnership worked this past episode I was like oh interesting Mm. but then even at dinner I think Chris was really upset that she just like kept going. You know, he got up and he walked away. And I I I just wonder like how much of this is just for the show and it's like I am fighting for my place on the show and like I need to do XYZ for work and like maybe she turns off and she's a completely different person at home. I have no idea. Um I do think they genuinely seem supportive of each other and love each other but I think that 
the stress that is added to it, it mm-hmm. just seems so unnecessary. Like I cannot imagine being in a relationship with someone that combative if I was like a relaxed person. Mm-hmm. And now they're working together too. I guess like the suggestion has always been like they've kind of always worked together. Maybe mm-hmm. this is like a new way of them working together, but like that is also really stressful. Yeah, and she's not paying him, but her expectations are that he works for her, which is literal language that she used, which doesn't feel like a great idea. Although it does seem that she needs someone to, she's not in control of herself. So maybe in some ways they can try to monetize that balance, but it doesn't, it doesn't feel well suited I know. for what they're currently experiencing. I don't know how their finances work. I think that like in marriage, it kind of all comes out in the wash. That's my like, it's like mm. at a certain point, like your money is my money. Like, like, you know, um, mm. so I'm not that worried about the fact that like she doesn't pay him, but I don't know. I hope they can make it. Yeah. I mean, I hope, I I hope that I I think it's like the first step is I think there needs to be some sort of but that's my maybe Candace is happy I don't think that she is but like maybe she's happy in with her behavior and she certainly explains it away and maybe that's because she's like happy to do it and she might relish in inflicting pain or, or going too low and she might think that's the sweet spot and other people won't do it but she's smart enough to and whatever happiness looks like to Candace is like slightly terrifying to me but like maybe it works you know who's to say that every relationship needs to be in someone else's view as healthy maybe this dynamic works for them maybe this is what they want like they they obviously made a specific choice Mm -hmm. to choose this person's Mm -hmm. personality and to commit to what could be a lifetime of partnering with it and being associated with it like the thing is that like it might work for them you do bring up a point that's really interesting though that I want to get your thoughts on which is like the distribution Mm -hmm. of wealth through individual relationships on housewives like the idea of many franchises not necessarily all of them but many franchises being seen as an outlet and escape and, you know, life in these gated communities where everybody is she, 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 she. Like there's a lot of wealth and diamonds and rosé. And yet what we're learning this season, certainly through Erica and Tom is, and, and what we've seen with Joe and Tree is like there is an inherent inequity because for many of these women, not all, but for many of these women, the wealth is provided in a certain kind of marital role. What's your experience kind of watching that? And do you think it's a universal kind of ideal when it comes to gender roles in the housewife marriages that we've seen? Well, I think that by definition, you would expect a housewife to be Mm. home. And, like, managing mm. a home. But because our man Andy Cohen has 
decided to pay people. He is like essentially paying these women to like live their lives. So some of them, this is the first time they've ever had independent income. Like they Mm -hmm. didn't necessarily work. You know, I think that once we do encounter women who have had careers, uh, it starts to like get a little bit muddy, like Phaedra. Like we watched her go from high powered corporate lawyer to donkey booty connoisseur. Like what? (laughs) To funeral home director. What? You know what I mean? Like, and it it's just so bizarre because I'm like, and even Wendy, like on Potomac, like I'm like, you had a career where like people respected you and your intelligence, and now you want to make candles and you have no business plan. And so part of me is thinking that I, and I, as a woman who works, I'm like, I would love to not. I honestly would love <laughs> to not. It is a huge fantasy of mine for someone to be like, mm-hmm. you don't got to do any of this anymore. And I would be like, thank mm-hmm. you. I've been waiting my entire life for someone to say that. So I wonder if like sometimes this is like a vehicle for them to get out of that like conveyor belts of like, let me climb this corporate ladder if you do have a job. And for some of them, they've never had a job. And then this opens the floodgates for them to be able to earn their own income. Um, So I think that it's not necessarily typical. I think that especially in America, in order to have a kind of households like on housewives, it usually does require two incomes. Um, Mm -hmm. But if you are like Tom (laughs) Girardi, like you might have (laughs) ways of getting income. That (laughs) means that no one else has to work, you know? Uh Um, And we don't love that. We don't love illegal methods uh, of securing money. So I think that uh, the housewives franchise or franchises in particular are very interesting in terms of like looking at finance dynamics in married couples. Because like, if you really like look at the earlier years, like these women, like they were like, I remember like, like Slade and Joe, like Joe would put on like a maid costume Mm -hmm. to like clean the house. Mm -hmm. Like that was stuff that's like, we're not seeing it. I always was like, like studying in college to assume that I would have to work so I'd have a job. I never, ever thought that I would have a relationship where someone would give me money. And then I loved on Beverly Hills how all the women were like, oh, I don't know how to go to the bank. Like it was so amazing. I was like, this is true, true wealth because they just use everything on credit cards and someone else pays the bill. Like they do not worry about it. They do not think about it. Yeah, and they don't think about it until they find out that some of this was a mirage, like some of it wasn't real. But when you talk about the corporate ladder, what I think about, which is never, I've never necessarily said this out loud as of yet, but I am now, (laughs) is I wonder if Wendy is thinking she's ascending the corporate ladder through like the corporation of housewives where she's thinking, okay, I started at this rung because it was my first season and everyone their first season, even breakout stars are still at the bottom in the sense that you haven't, you haven't assembled season seasons long uh, work, shall we say in your dossier, in your portfolio as a housewife. So Wendy's thinking, how can I ascend that ladder at housewives corp at Bravo HQ 
it's going to be doing what so many housewives have done before, which is like make and sell shit, which maybe she's doing to make money. But to me, I think she's doing because she has seen the value that that plot has the value that plot has given to other housewives. So it's like she doesn't have a business strategy which is a problem or an explanation of why candles are happening right now. Um, and she's like two wicks less than the grand dame. But maybe this is her way of thinking of housewives and her time on housewives as a business, even without a business plan, she's thinking about it through the arc of plot. And that's how she tries to ascend. I would hope so because I would, I think that, I mean, but I don't even know what she would, why she would want it. Like, I'm like, what, Mm. what is the real incentive here? I feel like as the daughter of immigrants for you to work at a prestigious university and to be on MSNBC and CNN, like you're killing it. You're doing great. Like you probably will have lunch at the white house one day. Like, you know what I mean? And I think that debasing yourself to be in a home where people are throwing salad at each other, I'm just like, why bother? (laughs) You know, like for people who like have no other credentials or no other way of getting attention, like, you know, I'm like, she had attention before this. Like, so it's like so weird to me. I mean... She's still doing the. I mean, she had at the, at, was it this, va- no, it was the vacation prior, the trip prior, rather. She was still doing like an MSNBC or it was like Peacock News or something, mm-hmm. which works in the family. Mm-hmm. Um, she was doing some sort of uh, news item, yeah. you know, course, not corresponding work, but she had a segment. She was shooting a segment while she was filming the trip. I think she's trying to figure out how to juggle both and maybe some of the work that she did prior was because she felt she had to this is what her mom wanted from her that was the valuation in their community was to get all of these degrees and pursue work in a high profile um position and have this professor role and now she's like well, this is some other shit that I want to do. I want to be on TV as me. I want to take advantage of of housewives. And and her idea of ascending that is to like zen wen her way into sometimes super reactive behavior that we didn't see last season. And maybe she's thinking that's the way to get closer to the top, Yeah, you know? It is a good question. I don't know how much, I don't know if if at all some of her other work has been affected by this and how she feels about that being affected. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm with her mom. I'm like, why can't you just be a professor and why can't you just be happy with the TV that you have? I think the housewife's tangent is a little strange to me. There's a way she can come out of this you know, smelling like a rose. There's a way that she can potentially scale down or not, but do such a, you know, bang up job on the segments she's still continuing to do. And I think she's still a professor. I think she's like scaled down being professor, but she's still, she's still um, a professor at Johns Hopkins. I think that there's a way that she's going to try to do both. Like it, she might not be wrong. I'm glad to see her on Potomac. I, I, I hope is that she stays on 
And she might not want to do that other stuff before. Maybe she was doing that in service to someone else. Maybe this is the stuff that she wants to do. That makes me sad. Also, like, I don't know why. I, I... <laughs> <laughs> the pivot there was like, bravo, good. I... That was a Giselle moment that we just saw. <laughs> I just want to know, like, if, like, her relationship with Eddie is suffering, like, why you would want to put that on mm. television? Like, you know how, like, they always say that, like, if housewives want to get divorced, they suspect something's going on, they go on mm-hmm. TV. So I'm like, <laughs> is that the reason you're on TV? Because what is what is going on with Eddie? Because, you know, the blogs, the blogs said that he... How to love child and Wendy swears he did not and all this stuff. And I'm like, I don't know. This stuff never comes out of nowhere. Maybe this is me being super naive and I have been credibly accused of that before. Mm -hmm. But I just think he's an angel. I just genuinely am like, Eddie Acefo seems like a fucking mensch. He seems like a sweet guy who's supportive of his wife and like, thinks this show is hilarious and I I just don't see it I think she loves him and their life together so much that that's why she sometimes explodes yeah. when people are referencing these things because she's like but again like why would you put that at risk and no one ever thinks they're putting it at risk until someone says something on camera and then they're like wait a second I did not realize that that was going to happen to me I thought that was going to happen to somebody whose marriage seemed you know, X, Y, and Z, and there's there's did not until these blog posts, you know, went up, which gave people something to talk about. You know, I I just I don't think that there's any truth there, but there is a lot of pressure that gets placed on marriages the second that someone signs up to do Housewives. The absolute second and it's stressful Um, and I'm just like I don't know why you would want that in your life but I don't I don't know if he has a love child but I don't know if he's totally innocent either I a hundred percent don't think it's true but also I am living in my bubble where Eddie Acefo is a like true like I just don't I don't think that bubble can be burst even though Ashley went and watched what happens and I don't remember if like question was like who, which husband is in hot water more at the reunion. And I thought, I I thought stupidly enough that it was going to be like, G, but she's like, no, I don't know. Cause he's just such a mess that I'm like, do we, do we even want to go? This feels like a little beneath us to be honest. Cause he seems like a little super sloppy, but she said, Eddie, I was actually, I couldn't, I could not be more shocked by G's behavior on this trip. I honestly was like, I'm, I, It's what? Sad. Like all of it was so weird. But I'm interested to see the reunion. Uh, to see like, like I'm like, yeah. does anyone have receipts? Is someone <laughs> gonna bring a binder? They're gonna be text messages. They're gonna be pictures because I need to know. I mean, I don't know. Stuff is not always as it seems. Even last season, I was shocked to find out Giselle's dad was yes. like, you know, um, Mike. Her ex has eight children. I said eight. And what? Wait, did we know it's eight. Like that's insane. He was like, yeah. He said something like that. He was like, he was like, he has eight kids. Like they're all over the place. And I was like, oh, what? No. I mean, the pastor. 
So I don't know. It could be it could be anything. Oh my god. Yeah. So I'm in, I'm very interested to see to see what happens. When it comes to Giselle and Jamal, did you think that they're, you know, quasi dating yada yada? Did you think that that was real? That the little the arc of them being back together? I did think it was real because her children were so against it <laughs> and I was like why would you put your kids through that mm-hmm. on camera if you if you weren't actually trying again? Like they were, I mean, they were not happy at all. And so I'm like, I, I, I don't understand like how that would have been an act and why, like to what end for them to just break up? Like why, you know? Yeah, I think it's a really important friendly reminder that Candace and Chris do not have the only WTF going on especially when there was like Giselle and Jamal and also Michael and Ashley and she's doing the smart thing of limiting his time on camera but our memories are long and it's we're never far away from a little bit of an ugh about the two of them oy vey oy vey a mess yes I agree a mess a mess Michael Darby is the worst house husband (laughs) by far he's up there right like (laughs) Michael, yeah. Tom Girardi obviously has been added to the Hall of Fame. Russell, Oive. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Jim Bellino, but I don't even know that he's in the top five. Like, he might be in the tail end of 10. Oh, wow. There's so many other. T- like, yeah. if I think about it long enough, David Bedore, you know, a little bit, super mm-hmm. gaslighty, not great, not a great guy. I can't think of anybody on New York. Um, I mean, back in the day, Simon Van Camp, Simon Van Campen, to me, was like a little bit of an ugh. But now he's like, my God, nowhere near the bottom. Now it's just like, oh, they're just Brooklyn people. <laughs> like they, they just didn't have the right crowd. <laughs> they did. They tried their hardest. I still remember that scene of them going to brunch and her being desperate to be in Sunday Styles in the New York Times. And then it's the back of her dress. And she's like, well, it's still still nice to be included it's like you did we both know that you don't feel that um listen before we say uh goodbye I do want to get your thoughts on Beverly Hills what's what's your experience been watching this season and your hopes for the reunion cycle four part four a whole month of this a whole month I hope they stretch it out I hope each part (sighs) is nine hours long I think I'm going to have a party for them. Yeah, I think I'm going to like invite my New Orleans friends over to watch Beverly Hills. Um, Okay, so Beverly Hills to me, again, because these women have real money, I think that this is the the, uh, franchise where they do the most pre-planning, pre-discussion, pre-everything. Because you can kind of tell, like it's, Nothing ever spins so far out of control. I think that everyone goes in there with an agenda of what they're going to talk about Mm -hmm. and what they're going to cover. And that's why when Garcelle asked Erica in La Quinta about, you know, Tom calling her, that's why it went so off the rails because she was blindsided. And I think that like, you know, because Crystal mentioned, she said, I don't want to talk about this. It's like, again, it's just like such 
careful planning. And from what I saw of the reunion preview, I think that Andy is really going to hammer them with questions. And it's like, you're not going to be able to wiggle out of this. You're not going to be able to like, it's live to tape. Like you are going to have to answer these questions. People are expecting that. Um, and so I think there has been a lot of caginess and the hiding. And I mean, even when things get very heated, like everyone is like, okay, well, let's just not talk about it. Let's just calm down, you know? Like, so we never really get the truth. We never really get to go there. And which is why like watching the ancillary journalism that comes out, like the LA Times article or the documentary on Hulu or like several other articles that have been released about Tom's business dealings. Like that's when we can get the facts and the truth because it's never, ever going to be on the show. Mm-hmm. We're just never going to learn it that way. I mean, it's crazy. Someone posted this and I couldn't agree more, but you know how on New York page six is like an honorary cast member. Page six is a friend of this season. The LA times has filled that role in BH. It's been so incredibly important and because it's not a tabloid that has been incredibly impactful even though Erica treats it like one we all know that this was heavily researched investigative journalism and it is difficult as much as Erica and to a certain extent Lisa Rinna try to pretend this is an lol mm-hmm. I mean it is what it is it's something that took a lot of very talented people a very long time to write, which is the narrative that we need that the show itself, I would say depends on. Does it not? Yes, for sure. And, um, finding out that Dorit can read was fascinating. too. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, what, what, uh, accent does, does her brain use in rich to, uh, read things that I was it British. Is it something else? Um, and it's, you know, there's a New York Times piece that uh, was just put out a couple days ago, a new New York Times piece, um, the name of which is something something. And um, I'm just looking at it now. I read it when it came up, The Real Trials of a Real Housewife. And yeah. it's sort of talking about Erica's currency having risen as a result of these wild crimes because it's something that everyone is talking about and this season is sort of built around it and there was someone um I think it's the parent of the burn victim ends the piece talking about the settlement money that was stolen from her being necessary for her son's ongoing care and saying I literally worry about getting paid I don't know how I am going to be able to continue providing my son with like absolutely necessary medical support because the money that was owed to us was stolen by our lawyer. And um, it ends with this. It says that she used to watch and enjoy the Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, but as time passed and Mr. Girardi kept giving her excuses for why they hadn't been paid the full settlement, she began to regard Ms. Girardi with skepticism. The first few seasons, we kind of liked her, but then we began becoming more and more concerned about our money. Is she spending our money? Now she's very unlikable on the show. She seems like she almost has an attitude that we victims ruined her gig, which is how the piece ended. And I just read that the first time I read it and was like, Jesus, she's she's 100% right. To me, she's... 
that is the vibe that Erica seems to be giving off. And um, I'm curious about what your response to that is. Yeah, I think so. I think that she is really invested in presenting the idea that she is also a victim, Mm -hmm. but is doing it in such a confusing way because again, she's just like letting certain things leak and, and then even doubling back and being like, allegedly, Mm -hmm. allegedly what you just told us that. So how are we supposed to believe you when you say that you had no idea and that you were completely in the dark about everything, but then the way that you're, trickling out information in itself is really shady. Um, And, you know, acting like she has no money at all. Like, it's just like the whole thing is really bizarre. Closing the pretty mess office, this and that. Like, you're still not destitute. Like, isn't she dating that, like, that old man in Las Vegas now? I mean, there are rumors that she's in some way romancing a um a Vegas casino or hotel yeah. magnet, I think, or yeah. something. There have been some blind items on Crazy Days and Nights that people have picked up, but who knows? But yeah, she's gonna, she will be okay, which is something that Garcelle reminded her of, which she agreed to in the moment, even though all of her behavior after which she has every right to be worried and express that worry. It's just she's doing so in a way that feels gross. Right. Exactly. Like you are, it's all fine. I mean, really? And didn't Sutton give you money? Like, isn't that also like the whole thing? Like, didn't Sutton give you like 25K? she offered, she offered, Erica didn't take her up on it and seems to be punishing her with every moment since. I just don't know that I would be, making sure to be photographed in paparazzi shots holding the Cartier Panther ring right now. I don't know that I would be breaking out the gemstones uh, and the diamonds um, at this moment. I don't know what that's doing aside from ask raising necessary questions about who actually footed the bill because my guess is that was that money was not clean. So it's like maybe enjoy it while you can, right. but just know that you're wearing stolen goods. Right, so, right, right. Um, Kudos to you on that note, I guess, Erica. And, you know, the reunion's coming up this week, so I'm very excited about that. Listen, Danielle, this has been such a delight talking to you. Can I ask you one more question? And then I want to hear more about your podcast. It's a question that I love to ask, and it's like a little, I mean, it's a little close to like spiritual franchise, but I love to know who my guest's spiritual housewife is, i.e., not your favorite housewife necessarily, but the housewife you connect to most. Maybe it's because you see a little bit of yourself in their not so great behavior or they behave in a way that you yourself know is something that you want to stay away from. You know, it's not necessarily like, who do I love and adore? Sometimes it's like the person that I connect to uh, problems and all. I'm curious if you, if anyone springs to mind for a spiritual housewife. Okay. Well, I would say that like my, my son's, my son housewife is Nene Leakes. (laughs) 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 She's classic. Like I think I present most like Nene. I love her. She's 
I mean, just so many good moments over the years. She's given us so much material. Like, Nini is iconic. Um, and then I would say that my um, moon housewife is Crystal. Um <gasps> Yeah, I really love Crystal. I love all of her neuroses. I love that she mm-hmm. runs her household like she's a CEO. I think that it's like like how I would. She also has like a history of an eating disorder, which I also have. So I and she's she's pretty like sure of herself, even though this is her first season um, and hasn't really backed down from anything. But I also don't ever see her bringing an insane amount of drama, you know, like ever. Mm -hmm. So I I think that she's my moon housewife. Oh my God. I love that. And what's the third one? Isn't there a third in horoscope? I don't know. Oh yeah. I look at the New York post daily horoscope every day of my life. I'm obsessed with it, but I don't know a ton of astrology. So then you would have rising. You're rising. So what is, ri- is rising like the one that like you aspired? Is that what that means? So rising would be like how you present to the world. And my rising housewife, I think, is Lisa oh. Barlow. Oh, can you tell me a little bit about that? I love Lisa Barlow. She, I love her. I love, that I love her. She is that bitch. Like she is so funny. I think she's amazing. I also think that, you know, this season, like, she is kind of gotten caught up in, like, trying to be really controlling. And I used to act that way for sure with, like, friends. I mean, definitely not past my, like, mid-20s. But, like, I would be like, do you like this person? You can't be friends with them. Like, I would purposely, like, have social gatherings where I would include people and exclude others. Like, really crazy stuff. Um, so I'm like, ooh, I see this behavior from Lisa. I'm clocking it. But, like, I also think she is so entertaining. I love how hard she works, too, because I am, like, I work really hard. And not that that's necessarily a great thing, but, um, you know, it's not that common with the housewives, which is, like, a, just, like, a Salt Lake City trait that I like in general like because like I think of the Mormon influences like they are all like really hard workers which is I think Mm -hmm. an interesting character trait yeah that's a good point like the I mean aside from maybe Jen and like to a certain I mean like Mary's a hard worker but like I wish that she would work less at what she's doing with that church but um yeah they are I mean Meredith is Heather is Whitney's trying Um, Lisa, obviously that's so interesting. Listen, tell me a little bit about your pod. What, what can listeners expect from it? How was this show formed? What was the inspo behind it? So it's called more than this and it's on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and it really was inspired kind of by like my major life change. Um, Mm. and it's a different episode every single week where I interview a subject and someone who is very close to them, who has witnessed a dramatic transformation. So it is anything from like a career switch to moving countries, um, to starting a business, um, to getting back to a passion that you had that you might've lost touch with. So it's everything. I think it's really inspirational and really feel good. Um, they're pretty short. They're half hour episodes. Um, yeah. Oh, nice. 
That's incredible. And where can people read your work and follow you on social? You can follow me on social on everything. I'm at Danielle Prescott, P-R-E-S-C-O-D. My book, Token Black Girl, comes out next September, September 2022. (gasps) Yeah. Oh, my God. Congratulations. Thank you. Wow, that is a big fucking deal. Who's your um, publisher? It is Little A Publishing, which is an Amazon arm. So yeah, you can find it there. Oh my God, that's incredible. And say the name again. Was it? Token Black Girl. Love it. Oh my God. Guys, everybody needs to. Can they... um... Uh, pre <laughs> phrase. Oh my god, I broke my brain. Pre buy it. <laughs> <laughs> no pre orders yet. Pre- no pre pre-order. Okay, pre order. Pre buy. Wow, what a <laughs> what a pro, guys. You know what? You can't. No um pre orders yet, but coming soon. Coming and soon. in the meantime, what you can buy right now are tickets to the very first. First ever Andy's Girls live, a live show this Sunday, October 17th at 7 p.m. at Club Coming here in New York City. Do me a solid of getting your tickets in advance. Uh, I'm going to include the link in show notes to this episode. It's also, if it's easier for you, andysgirls.eventbrite.com. Going to be joined by OG of the AG, Damien Bellino. We've got some really fun segments and a couple games. And you guys can ask questions and so much more would mean an awful lot. So if you're in the New York City area and you're thinking about coming, just fucking come. You're gonna have a goddamn blast. Also, new Patreon episode coming up shortly that's gonna cover the trailer, just released trailer for Real Housewives Ultimate Girls Trip. There's also some presidential housewives news in what was a big surprise to all of us. Megan King Edmonds got married uh, the day we were recording, which is a day of the week, Monday. <laughs> uh, got married today to her maybe new boyfriend who happens to be the nephew of President Joe Biden who attended that uh, wedding event. So I have some thoughts that I'm going to share about that and also a bunch of your satchels. Um, Guys, I hope that you're all doing well. Follow me on social. Tell me at Dame Galley on IG. Send me a little shot of uh, you um, having purchased a ticket to AG Live, and I'd love to see you there. Uh, Danielle, thank you so much for being on Andy's Girls. I'd love to have you back. You're welcome back anytime. This was a total delight. Thanks for having me. I love talking about housewives. One of my favorite subjects. Right? I think um, we both got maybe an A on this if it was being graded by our favorite housewife professor. All right, guys. Hope you are all staying safe, staying sane, getting vaccinated if you can, and we will talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Bye.